This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. Um, your sense, is, is there a crisis in policing in our community? Does it need to be transformed as the city council has called for? Yes. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Another episode of Citizen Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg, and today's guest is Council Member Marty Campbell. He is a Pierce County Council Member, formerly of the Tacoma City Council. And uh, there was a lot happening uh, with the county this week, uh, starting, of course, with the Pierce County Council launching, launching an investigation of Sheriff Troyer, uh, which was uh, my reason for reaching out uh, to Marty Campbell. And then I realized there's actually a whole lot more happening as well. So we cover a busy week at the county council on this week's episode. Listen up. <laughs> All right, I'm here for another episode of Citizen Tacoma, and my guest today is Council Member, Pierce County Council Member, Marty Campbell. Welcome to the podcast, Marty. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me here today. Appreciate you taking the time, and for those who don't know you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I'm Pierce County Council Member, Marty Campbell. Uh, uh, that's a good start. Currently serve on Pierce County Council District Number Five, which represents the east side, south end of Tacoma, Midland, Parkland, Spenway, Summit, Waller, Clover Creek neighborhoods, kind of right in the center in the heart of Pierce County. Uh, prior to that, I was on Tacoma City Council for eight years, and uh, prior to or during that time, I was also a small business owner here in Tacoma. That's right. I still uh, I still see the sign up for buzzards on uh, uh, what is that Jefferson? Yeah. The, yeah. The, they haven't taken that down. And I, know. And I was drive, driving through the stadium district where the video store was the other day. And uh, uh, man, you know, the, the, the more I see where the apps are going and all that on, on streaming, it's the more we're going to miss our video stores. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you had uh, your l- most recent Pierce County Council meeting, a very busy agenda. And I wanted to dig into that. So just as an overview for the listeners, uh, what did you do this week? And then maybe we'll start uh, we'll, we'll start ticking through the list. Well, it was a, it was a very busy week. Um, when the, at least the busiest this year, for sure. And we, uh, through our study session and, that, and we announced at the meeting, we, uh, our opening investigation uh, into uh, the sheriff. Uh, Sheriff Troyer and uh, some articles in the media. We uh, got passed our mental health tax uh, that uh, had, we passed it last year, but it got hiccuped on that. Um, We passed our greenhouse gas reduction and sustainability plan. Uh, We we discussed our uh, upcoming ARPA funds and and how some of those might be uh, distributed. Um, And we passed a resolution uh, recognizing Asian American Pacific Islander hate and denouncing that across the county. Um, those were just a few of the highlights. That's a that's <laughs> of, of a, busy a very meeting. busy day. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Something that, that, that I think a lot of our listeners probably know, but, but maybe not everyone, is that with this last election, the makeup of the council switched. Um, it, it is now four Democrats, uh, three Republicans, um, although there's still a Republican um, county executive. This looks to me like, when I see this list of things, looks to me like uh, an indicator of that change. Is that a fair assessment that many of these things might not have been on your agenda had had that not happened? It, they may have been on our agenda, but not in the form at which they came forward. Mm. Um, uh, for example, the greenhouse gas plan, in order to, to qualify for certain grants for trash, transportation grants, you have to have one in place. Got it. Uh, probably would have been different than the one we adopted. Uh, but it really, uh, and here we are, hit, you know, um, mid, mid to late March, uh, which is usually when you start to see uh, people get their feet under them a little bit. So the change in council, uh, uh, Derek Young is the Pierce County uh, chairman, chairman of the council, uh, and has really been doing a good job with four new members. We had to do, you know, a lot of education on, you know, how our processes work, uh, what process they go through, what our charter is. And so we've had some really good focused, uh, all inclusive, everyone, all the council members there are learning um, all at the same, so we can all speak the same language. Right. It's been it's been difficult, you know, being uh, in a pandemic. Uh, you know, the only day we've all been together is the day that the new members were sworn in, because we all came in for that. And other than that, we have not all been in the same room, uh, and yet we're able to to start moving forward on this. So big yeah. kudos to staff on a lot of work that they're doing to help manage that. Yeah. Um. When you represented Tacoma's east side, you were representing one of the most diverse parts of Tacoma. And now, uh, you're rep as you listed that, you represent east side plus a lot more of unincorporated Pierce County, some of south Tacoma, if I captured all of the things that you right. said. Um, is that still the most diverse part of the county they, they, uh, out, of, out of the different districts? I would say so. Yes, that's, that's my uh, you know, assessment. East Tacoma, there, there's something like 70 languages spoken up and down East Tacoma. Um, uh, and you look at the it's East Side, South End. Um, when I went out into the county, you know, picking up Parkland um, added a, a bit more, uh, uh, you know, di diversity to my council yeah. district. Um, but also picking up the rural separator. Now I have cows and farms too. So my diversity of what I'm representing, uh, it was a much more, uh, broader spread. So given that let's, let's start with, uh, the proclamation, um, against Asian American and Pacific Islander, uh, acts of violence and hate. Um, what did, what did the council adopt this past week? Uh, and so the, the proclamation and Pete and Sarah from the, uh, Korean Women's Association helped us put it together, and I have a copy of it here, so I will read uh, the, the last whereas here. Whereas the Pierce County Council stands in sympathy and solidarity with the AAPI community in condemning these vicious acts of hate and violence and maintains that respect for all races, ethnicities, national origins, and religions are an integral piece of our cultural fabric. And therefore, be it proclaimed at the Pierce County Council to denounce anti-Asian American and Pacific Islander sentiment in Pierce County across and across the country to affirm the commitment to the safety and well-being of Asian American and Pacific Islanders in Pierce County. Um, 
And this was actually signed by all seven council members, uh, which is which is great. Um, And I think it really uh, speaks with some kind of plain language there of this is this is no longer tolerable. What we've seen over the last year since uh, COVID came about and with national rhetoric really inflaming that uh, we've seen lots of acts of violence across the nation. What we've heard is it hasn't been reported as strong here locally. And not being reported, not being present are two very different things. I was speaking with one Asian business owner who, who called me up. One of his windows had been shattered out. And I went and picked up some plywood and was helping him put it up in place. And he talked about some other friends who had had their windows broken up, including one that had a, uh, a message inscribed with it. And we asked about, you know, encouraged the importance of, of having that reported. And he spoke of the way that um, they don't want to, they don't want to do that because they figure it'll draw a bigger target to themselves. Mm. They were afraid to, you know, there, there's, and when I read some of the national, there's the shame, uh, the drawing attention, and just uh, a lot of the, a lot, particularly um, in the district I represent with a lot of Cambodian, Vietnamese, a lot of distrust of government. And it, it's not, it's not their fault if, as a victim, they're afraid to come forward. That's on us. That's on our community. That's on our government to make sure that we can have that trust for them uh, to come forward and report when things happen and help us uh, be part of it. So be part of the solution and make sure that they trust us coming forward so we can get these reported. Um, hopefully track down who's responsible and hold them accountable. What does it mean to you as a white male uh, who represents many of the um, Asian American or Pacific Islander uh, people and neighborhoods in your district. Um, What uh, I want to explore that. How, how does, how do you show up for that work? Um, I, I, I show up and listen. I show up in experience. Um, I I guess is, is a good way to put it. I love uh, when I come into many of the festivals um, and, and so many are so welcoming, be it the, the new year festivals, <clears throat> the Cambodians uh, have uh, uh, tr- tremendous festivals that, that I, when I go there, it, it's great to see their culture through, through new eyes and, and take a deep appreciation for that, but more so taking time and meeting with them often uh, not at the big events. And listening to some of the issues that we have that are the same, turns out there's not a single culture that likes potholes, uh, but then really uh, building on that and learning about the experiences of hate that they have, the barriers that they have around language, the barriers that they have uh, in so many ways, and then using my whiteness to help navigate a lot of that and erase the barriers. Because I find that when I work to erase the barrier uh, for Spanish speaking uh, or Vietnamese speaking, um, it's easy once you've got a program in place that will help translate documents to add Khmer, to add uh, Korean, to add uh, Russian, which are some of the top ones we have in the area. Right. Uh, so really just listening, finding uh, the issues, and then finding ways to navigate to make it easier and to remove those barriers. What would you tell um, someone, you know, another white male like myself, um, what could we do individually or collectively 
to do this work because you know I read Matt Driscoll I think it was Matt Driscoll who wrote you know proclamations proclamations are nice but they're not enough um, what more could we be doing uh, he's right proclamation <clears throat> proclamations are not enough uh, they're often a start they can be that first part that says hey here we are Pierce County saying this is a problem uh, what white males need to do is to continue to once you step off the, the, the stage or the platform with that proclamation to actually put in place what the proclamation says, that we are committed to change. When I was on Tacoma City Council, one of the uh, <clears throat> programs I brought was a welcoming cities. And Tacoma became the first welcoming city for immigrants and refugees on the West Coast. Uh, one of the last things I did before leaving council was help stand up a commission on immigrant refugee affairs uh, that today, you know, continues to advise the entire council. And so what I hope to do at Pierce County Council is take this proclamation and I've, I've already started laying the groundwork for a commission on immigrant refugee affairs to advise the county council because we have, you know, it's not a Tacoma issue. There's immigrants, refugees throughout our entire county. Everywhere, yeah. Yep. And the other the other one that we want to bring forward uh, is a human rights commission, which we do not have at the county level, uh, which is where we start to get into the addressing hate that we're seeing, addressing the anti-Asian uh, and anti-Pacific Islander uh, verbiage and culture that we've been seeing recently and providing a pathway uh, to improve our policies and advise our council on addressing hate across the county. That's great. Because just, just running out there and saying, don't do that, turns out that doesn't quite work. You gotta do a little bit more than that. And so back to the, the you know, what, what should white men like uh, you and I be doing? Um, we should be working every day to, for more anti-racist uh, policies, more anti-racist government, and more anti-racist, uh, language in our daily lives and make sure that we're we're leading through speaking that so that others see it, it we normalize anti-racism thank you i like that um i want to move on to another big topic uh which was uh probably something you did not uh foresee a few weeks ago um which was an investigation into how, what what is an investigation into? Let's start with that. What what are you what are you investigating? Uh, I, and I'm guessing that uh, this is with uh, Sheriff Troyer. It is related uh, to that. Yes. Yes. Um, Unless no, there was another investigation that you also la launched this week. Uh, not this week. No. Um, the, I mean, I think anyone who has listened to the 911 call, and if you're wondering why we're investigating it, uh, I, I would say go back and listen to the 911 call. From the moment when it starts all the way through, uh, what became, I think, clear to many of us is a breakdown in leadership and a, you know, what many say appeared to be, and I think listened to this call, uh, a racial bias that came through. And I think we, well, I know we expect more from our top cop as the sheriff is often referred to. This is the uh, person who should be setting the, the measure by which all others are, are, are weighed. And 
it's really disappointing when you're listening through that. And I've heard from several people across the county who were really frustrated that um, they'll say, well, he was just out investigating something, you know, and, and everyone should have a right to go out their front door and, and investigate something. But I'm upset because he pulled these officers from all over the county to North Tacoma. Um, and my neighborhood was left unprotected because he didn't handle the situation that he had before him and instead called in officers from all over the county. So that's where it rises to really be a countywide issue is that the, um, you know, this impact greatly impacted uh, obviously his interaction with the black newspaper carrier. Um, and that needs to be looked into uh, for appropriateness, but also uh, a complete, you know, upside downing of resources that evening. And what became apparent the days after is that, you know, this wasn't the first time this had happened. And so the investigation that we have is into, um, you know, it's not just this one incident, it's into media uh, surrounding this incident um, or just media stories. Uh, and and we, we leave it there because that's where we're really hearing a lot of it. Um, but that also leaves room for new things to come forward. We don't have to do another investigation if there's something else, because investigations, you know, often tend to lead to other uh, information and being able to take it into totality. So if I understand what you're saying, if the Seattle Times or the News Tribune find some other call, some other similar incident that would be covered by the investigation that you're looking at. Uh, yes, and, and that is what we want. We want to make sure that as new information comes forward, uh, that we want the investigator to be able to look into everything that, that could possibly be out there and ensure and bring back to us you know, a, a report of what happened so that we can, can look at this and, and weigh for ourselves uh, what is the leadership quality that we're looking for. It seems, I mean, it seems like that there is some sort of pattern and I what I'm saying you know there's there's these two calls at least one in January one in December and listening to the dispatcher talk to the officer there was some hint that like <laughs> oh Troyer's being Troyer let's just you know something like that like there was some pattern that the people involved had experienced uh with the sheriff which makes me think that there could be even more than just these these two that your investigator or a news team might uncover. I would agree with you on that. And I would hope any investigator would look into that. Um, I heard a, a, uh, someone say, oh, you know, a, a, a police officer's just going to cover for um, the sheriff or, you know, this investigation's going to uh, be... I'm curious, what kind of person might be you be hiring to do this kind of investigation? Is it a law enforcement officer, or because I, I don't, I have no idea how you, you know, who do you, who do you pick we're, for something like this? I know we're looking through a, a, a whole breadth of possible candidates. Most likely, someone who, uh, certainly, someone who's not current uh, police, uh, perhaps a former prosecutor or a former judge um, or a former. Uh, uh, might be a former law enforcement officer, but, you know, who would have to make sure that there's no conflicts of interest knowledge. I know uh, uh, Chairman Young is looking at a broad array of recommendations, and I think this next week we will uh, know who we're looking at. It will be important to me that there is a very clear uh, sense of independence from the investigator. 
how long does a process like this take? I mean, if you're hoping you find someone next week, do you have any idea of when you would expect a report? Is this weeks or months? Let me put it that way. Uh, well, we're going to push for weeks. Okay. Um, I don't think we, we want to wait months. Uh, we already waited six to eight weeks before we even found out about this. That was disappointing in the first place. Right. Um, an incident like this should have been at least brought to our attention as uh, something that happened uh, just noteworthy. And it gets a little tricky, though, um, when you really look at the relationship of the sheriff to the county council. Uh, the sheriff uh, in Pierce County is independently elected, uh, and we don't have official oversight. People have asked us to fire him. We can't. Um, the, the executive cannot fire. Only the people can fire the sheriff. So uh, what we can do is make sure that we are investigating and ensuring that the highest standards of the county are being represented and make sure that the public is aware of what is happening, what good is happening in our sheriff's department, but also what needs to be fixed and what needs to be improved and what is the leadership model that we want to see. So the results of this report, um, the results of this investigation in whatever form you know that takes, um, are really the council unearthing information for the community. Because as you said, the, the council can't say, oh, well, you know, look at this, um, he's, he's cleared, or they can't say he's fired because that's not up to you. Is, is, is a fair assessment? Yes. Um, we are continuing to look at legal avenues of what, uh, what possible sanctions we might have or you know, what, what are legal options um, because this is this is new um, uh, we haven't had something like this in a long time and so there's a lot of review of what we can and can't do uh, what became really clear real quick is we could do an investigation and so while we looked at what our options were we said let's get the investigation underway because that's going to help guide any uh, actions we may or may not take uh, let's get a body of proof before us to make sure that any actions that we do take are uh, appropriate. Yeah. Nate uh, Bowling, host of Nerd Farmer, tweeted recently. He said, in the last 12 months, our community has had um, Tacoma police involved in the homicide uh, with of Manny Ellis. Um, there was the uh, an officer with Tacoma Police who um, ran into a crowd with his patrol car. There was a sheriff who resigned after a body cam uh, caught him saying the N-word under his breath about a, a oh. person who he'd pulled over. It was a Tacoma Police officer. Tacoma Police officer. And then the sheriff um, who calls calls the dispatch and activates, you know, 42 units over a black newspaper carrier in 12 months. Um, that's a lot of incidents in our community in, in that period of time. Um, some, you know, one one with the sheriff, several with the, the, the Tacoma uh, police. And it does, you know, circle back to some of those interviews that I did in February with some of the Tacoma City Council members talking about policing in our community. Um, your sense, is, is there a crisis in policing in our community? Does it need to be transformed as the City Council has called for? Yes. 
uh, I, I, you know, when we look at a crisis, it can be crisis in, in actions, which we're seeing, and then also perception. And all these, uh, you know, we, we talked about four, four actions that happened over you know, about once a, once a quarter there, it seems. Um, and probably and many more that haven't been um, many, reported. Many, many more. Yeah, many more that haven't been reported. Um, but you, then you also have the perception, and, and perception becomes reality. And so uh, many of us can look to the actual events and say, these create a pattern that says, we've, we've got to transform some stuff. And even if you're a skeptic and say, these are all isolated things, but they've built a perception. And the way around that perception is to transform some of these things. So uh, whether you, um, um, like myself, look at these as a body, you know, as, as a body of evidence that things need to change or, or are just uh, an outside observer, uh, things need to change. Good news is we've actually got a lot of stuff going forward on that. Um, in, in Tacoma, they have a new police chief. Right. For good or well, we have a new sheriff. Uh, uh, but we have yet to see how that how that plays out. Um, but the uh, we've got uh, I know with Pierce County or or I'll city of Tacoma, they've already got body cameras on the street now uh, that that really sparked out of this. We should at Pierce County have ours coming in July. Let me ask uh, you a question about told. about yes, that. So body cameras are, are a really good example, I think, for, to make sure I understand and a listener understands how, um, how these things work. So at the city council, the city council wanted to have body cameras. Uh, they passed something. They worked with the union. It was delayed for a while, but now body cameras are being, um, as a matter of policy from the city council, are now going to be implemented on, with officers. Is that the same role that the county council plays with the sheriffs? Because you have this this uh, a separate elected sheriff. So could the county council say, we would like to see body cameras, and then the sheriff has to implement it? Is that how that works, or is that entirely on the like the sheriff to decide? How does that how does that go? It's on the sheriff. Um, what the county council uh, does have is we have power of the purse. Uh, so we funded body cameras with the proviso that it would be implemented. And so this budget money is allocated aside and by direction it needs to be implemented. And so if we find that our budget items aren't being implemented in uh, a timely matter, then it, it becomes, we won't, you know, that's where we begin to get into to, to budgeting battles. And at the end of the day, we fund our priorities. And so that's where we have our push with the sheriff. Now it becomes up to the sheriff to implement it as they see fit. And then, so that, that's where that indirect, we have indirect oversight over the way that they spend their money. And so that can become a very awkward back and forth. Uh, you're creating budget. policy through through a budget, which I mean, all budgets right. are policy, but but it's almost like a, a an and you're not saying the policy is to have um, body cameras to use that still example exactly. You're saying here is money that can only be used for body cameras, and then the sheriff has to figure out um, whoever the sheriff is has to either implement it or or like 
not and then the money's not spent? Is that basically what that that person's choice is? Right. That's that, a weird that, that, system. That, that's a pretty pretty simplification. Of I, I, I know it's a simplification. That's yeah. an odd system. Yes. And that, that's part of uh, not, not having direct oversight. So there are, um, I guess you would call it either a Blue Lives Matter or an anti-Black Lives Matter sticker, the black and white U.S. flag with the, the thin blue line on it, mm-hmm. on Pierce Transit security vehicles. A citizen emailed the Pierce Transit to say those shouldn't be there. And for example, Tacoma police officers um, are, are not allowed to have it on their vehicle. Um, this person uh, received a reply from Pierce Transit saying that they had asked the sheriff's office to remove them. The sheriff's office declined to do it. Um, and that's where it is. That's why the, there are on those vehicles because the sheriff's office provides security for Pierce Transit. Um, is that something that the council has any way that they could affect? Like, here's a here's a budget for sticker removal. I mean, is that basically all that we're we're left with for something like that, or is that truly up to the discretion of the sheriff? I would say it's up to the discretion of the sheriff. Hadn't considered doing a motion for budget for sticker removal. I, um, I, I'm sorry to be flip no. about something that's actually well, serious, but but yeah, I, I it, it, and explore what if there truly is anything that that could be done. Yeah, it falls with the discretion of the sheriff. And, and what you have with Pierce Transit is they contract for their security services. Their contract happens to be with the Pierce County Sheriff. Got him. And so the Pierce County Sheriff says, this is how our officers come equipped. And if they want to Got do him. that, they can. Um, I think that issue probably will be resolved in uh, favor of Pierce Transit here shortly. Um, uh, you know, the, the county sheriff... There's what the sheriff is over, and then he has contracts with University Place, uh, several other municipalities, uh, some school districts. So there's a, a whole breadth of contracts out there of contract officers where they provide the uh, training and oversight human resources uh, for these communities. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you have the power of the purse, uh, which means in many ways that the council has the ability to fund or defund the police, or I should say the sheriff's office. Should we defund policing? Uh, frankly, we did that many years ago. When you look at where our, uh, when you look at how vast Pierce County is and how much we have to cover, um, and you look at our number of officers per square mile against most other counties, we're going to rank among the bottom. Uh, we, we previous councils over the last years, uh, they've, you know, when you speak of defunding, it's really a two-step process. You take funds from the sheriff and you invest it in mental health, uh, uh, chemical dependency programs and other programs, uh, prevention and intervention programs. And the idea there is that you uh, reduce the amount of suppression money you have and work to eliminate root causes. Many years ago, through many budgets, Pierce County, you know, failed to uh, increase funding as population and as uh, the county grew and as crime rates grew. But then they absolutely failed to fund anything else. And so keeping us at the level we're at now will still keep us below what most communities are at. But we absolutely have to begin funding intervention and prevention programs, mental health programs, 
to, to the tune of many millions of dollars uh, and really make up that gap that we have just left un, unattended for decades. Um, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. What, what, I, what I almost hear you saying is uh, decades worth of accidentally defunding or not accidentally, um, not raising uh, funds for sheriff's office commensurate with population boom. Is that another way to put that? Yes. But at the same time, it's not like there was additional money that was being diverted to, because as you said, with, with the, the, the idea of a defund model, take it away from policing, put it into those root causes, but you weren't, but the county, I shouldn't say you in that case, the county over that period of time was not doing that either. That, yes. Um, the count, sorry, as I said, I'm trying to, to work through this in my head. Um, the county, as you said, is is very large, um, but most of the people are, let's say, in a in the greater Tacoma area. Is that accurate, roughly? I mean, when you when you consider greater Tacoma, but I mean, you're out to Dupont up up the peninsula, uh, quite a ways. You know, Puyallup, then you get to the far side of Puyallup. You know, that it's, it's, it's it a takes big, a while to drive big. across the county. It's it's a it's Do not you know a small area. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head how, how big the sheriff's office is? In, want, just in ranges, ma magnitude? I want to say it's about 300 officers. It's actually about the same size as the Tacoma Police Department. Which uh, polices 200 some odd thousand people, whereas the county in theory has several, you know, at least double that. Yeah, we have about 400,000 in unincorporated Pierce County, 900,000 countywide, uh, if I got my math there. Right on that. What if you were um, able to make uh, changes? Okay, so so I recognize I, I want to acknowledge um, how you're how you're talking about the history of that. Moving forward, if, if how would you like to see the budget for policing for the sheriff's office change? or for those other services to change over the next, you know, uh, times when you're in charge of the budget? I, I would like to see us move. We, last year, we commissioned a justice reform commission that was really looking at how our justice services delivered and how can we improve them. And they came out with some really great recommendations. I'd like to see them formalized to continue to look at justice reform the one thing that we have with our county is we can look at justice as a continuum uh, where cities don't have this as much as we do because we also have the courts and mm -hmm. the jail. So our reforms, um, while they need to include uh, frontline deputies and make sure that they are properly trained uh, and pro properly equipped, we also need to look at what are our courts, what are our diversion opportunities that we have. Well, how are our jail services being worked? Uh, how's Raymond Hall being funded? How's that being uh, supported properly? So we actually have the unique ability to have a much greater continuum uh, rather than just uh, arrest, no arrest. And we really need to look at justice as a continuum that we need to uh, see all the way through that process um, 
because we need to make sure that at every step of every process, every uh, citizen, every resident gets the best outcome they can at every step of the process. Um, many times where you hear the breakdowns is where um, whenever there was a step in the process, they got the worst outcome every time. And that's where, you know, you hear many very tragic cases. Yeah. Uh, but we need to make sure that it is all the way. Um, I want more off, more of our deputies out there uh, who are, you know, the community liaison deputies, the ones who are just working in the same community over and over, getting to know people, getting to identify people who, who need the help, and then having those resources available, mental health, chemical dependency, uh, family, you know, family help if it's needed. How do we connect a family that's having problems? Because we know that domestic violence is one of the number one calls that we have. How are we, rather than going in and um, arresting, how are we bringing uh, that family back together? Right? And how are we, if, if possible, and if it's not possible, how are we getting uh, domestic victims, uh, victims domestic of domestic violence, violence yes, yes uh, out, of, out of the situation of harm? And so we, it, we need a much more holistic approach all the way through. And so there's no one lever that we can throw. We have to be able, we're going to, uh, uh, like, like good old Doug on the boards over there, just kind of turn in the knobs and all that and just working to better and better and better. Uh, until we have what then, when we look back, is a new system of policing that is uh, holistic with, uh, uh, you know, citizen engagement. Are there any particular uh, reforms that were called out that you'd like to that you'd like to see, or that you think would be particularly meaningful? Um, I think when you look at the uh, eight can't wait, I think the uh, uh, state is taking that up. I think there's some really good ones that tends to be uh, more with point of contact. Uh, I think. Uh, really many of the uh, creating an oversight, a full-time oversight commission to give a review of, but again, I would like to see it, you know, of course, include our policing, but also our entire justice system, because even if our, uh, our, our deputies are, are doing it right, but there's a breakdown in the courts, um, there's a breakdown and it doesn't, it shouldn't, we should be fixing the breakdowns wherever they're at. And, uh, make sure again that um, everyone who's justice involved gets the best outcome that they can. Thank you. Um, I wanna take a quick break and then when we come back, we still have a lot more to talk about with uh, mental health tax and uh, greenhouse tax, uh, greenhouse gases and uh, uh, some funds from the federal government. So stick around. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties, and I know the players for every niche. 
Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit MoveToTacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. Welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor and thank you so much to the members of Channel 253 who are helping to keep uh, this podcast and all of our podcasts going. Uh, You can support our work for $4 a month or $40 a year at channel253.com slash membership. You'll get access to uh, a private Slack channel and you will uh, know that you're supporting uh, really good reporting and uh, opinions about what's happening um, in Tacoma. So check that out. Uh, Marty, thank you again for uh, taking a little bit of your morning to go over some of these things. Um, you were just talking about how the council has not, um, over the decades, uh, increased services that would address the root causes um, that get to uh, some issues in policing. Uh, but this week, uh, you f- you f- formalized uh, one-tenth of a percent mental health tax in the county. How is that going to work and what is that going to do? Well, it's going to help us begin to get there. So uh, almost a decade ago when I was on Tacoma City Council, uh, we passed this at the Tacoma City Council level because the county refused to move forward at that time. Uh, In that time, the city of Tacoma has raised $40, $50 million dollars Wow. to address mental health and chemical dependency issues uh, within the city of Tacoma. And you really look at how much this speaks to how much the county has left undone, because I think we're estimated to be collecting $12 million a year, which means had they passed it a decade ago, we'd have had another $100, $125 million spent on uh, mental health and chemical dependency programs and assistance across our, our county. That said, you know, we can't go back and, and, and redo that, but we can do it moving forward. So beginning July 1st, Pierce County will be begin collecting uh, the one-tenth of one percent sales tax. Takes a little bit to get it in, so it'll be starting up later this year, but really focusing on bringing up programs that uh, support and, again, I go back to that, we need to, to normalize conversation around accessing mental health services um, and investing in mental health services for our youth. Uh, There's a big component of that, making sure that we have emergency response, um, making sure, uh, you know, I'd like to see us use some of this towards having uh, perhaps uh, more training for uh, police deputies in dealing with mental health, um, but also having uh, mental health co-responders. We have uh, we've been piloting some of that through our sheriff's department, but it'd be great to have have more so that uh, if it's clear that there's a, a mental health issue, um, people have, uh, aren't able to solve themselves. They call in the sheriff's deputy uh, that we have someone showing up with the sheriff's deputy who specializes in that and can stay with that because, um, you know, we. Right. Uh, and so I think that's another program that, that I'd like to see us doing with this. Um, what the initial plans rolling out, they're pretty heavy on the mental health side. I would like to see us um, look deeper into what we can do more around chemical dependency. Um, the, we're, we're still feeling the effects of the opioid crisis. 
that's had in our community. Um, and uh, it, it shattered, you know, lots of our families. It's left uh, uh, just incredible marks across our community. And we have fallen way behind where we need to be in addressing that. And so part of this helps bring it forward. Uh, I think um, we're continuing through, you know, Pierce County is part of some of the national settlements uh, with uh, some of the opioid manufacturers. Uh, hopefully we can have some funding coming from there uh, to, to really stand up a series of programs that are countywide uh, to help people where they're at. If they're, if they have addiction, whatever level of addiction they're at, that um, there's a clear and clean opportunity for this to be their last day and that they have a, a, a path and a supportive program uh, to help them with any uh, chemical dependencies that they may have uh, to help them with any mental health crisis that they may have. Um, we know many times the chemical dependency uh, may be rooted uh, in mental health and people self-medicating because of uh, broken medical systems that we have. Yeah. Um, it's all it's all systemic and we need to, uh, uh, again, this is another system that we need to get in and we're not gonna get out of it one year but my hope is over the next five years, we can make substantive change in every element that is helping people to more successful outcomes. That's great to hear. I'm, and I know that that was uh, at least a few years in the making. So that's great. Yes. Um, greenhouse gases. So uh, this is something uh, that I had not at all tracked uh, that the county had any um, work on this, but uh, it's great to hear. Tell me what's happening. Uh, yes, great work coming forward around greenhouse gases and sustainability. Uh, by state law, we have to have a greenhouse gas plan in place uh, in order to uh, apply for certain transportation grants. Uh, so, uh, or I should say a greenhouse gas reduction plan in place. Uh, we want to plan to reduce them. Um, so this was, was going to come forward. What we've been able to do is really work on it. Ryan Dix, who works in sustainability in the executive's office was very instrumental in putting this together, um, as were a couple of my council colleagues, uh, uh, council member Young, council member Yellow, council member Mello, who has a lot of uh, 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 history in working on environmental issues, the both of them do. Uh, so they came with a very keen eye. Um, there were five key areas of focus in this, and that is energy in the built environment, uh, transportation, consumption and waste reduction, carbon sequestration, and education and outreach. Wow. And, and among that, I think we have about uh, uh, so anywhere from uh, uh, seven or eight to uh, an entire hand to, to 30 or 40 different uh, uh, subcategories or, or planning that's coming forward. So, uh, for example, in um, the... Uh, education and outreach, uh, create a Pierce County sustainability collaborative to share best practices with cities, tribes, and major employers. And so some of this is just about working to teach other people uh, how, to, how to be more sustainable. Um, uh, one of the areas that I really dug into was the transportation element, which has 25 subcategories in that. Um, that is uh, everything from adding more charging stations uh, or requiring homes to have uh, EV infrastructure. So as we look at a conversion over to electric vehicles, uh, that uh, that infrastructure is in place so that they're successful. Um, 
you know, looking at rideshare programs, uh, encourage, uh, uh, we're actually looking at a move towards low, low carbon aviation fuel at the Pierce County airports, in addition to looking at how we electrify our airports, because we'd like to see uh, Thune Field and Gig Harbor Airport become um, hubs for electric airplanes, uh, which are a very real thing um, and are uh, really catching on uh, quite fast. And the nice thing about them are, you know, what's one thing that everyone is annoyed about living near an airport is the noise. The electric airplanes are relatively quiet. You get a little bit of prop noise and that's about it. And so uh, they, they're they getting to where they have the same range. There's now by commercial, uh, small commercial lines that have been launched with them. And Pierce County is in a very unique position where if we uh, can lead our airports in electrification, we can actually have electric transportation that we help manage in the air, land, and sea because we have our own ferries too. That's so, right, to get to Anderson Island and such, right? right? And so we, we, we actually can be one of the uh, few counties in the nation with land, sea, and air electrification uh, infrastructure. Uh, does this, this uh, sustainability and greenhouse gas uh, policy, does it cover the county's own work? Does it uh, set any restrictions, policies for development? Like who, who's covered in this? Um, it covers the county, but it's a lot of working with the cities. Got it. Um, so if we're working on roads that are interconnected, um, uh, there's a lot of support, Pierce Transit effort to increase bus rapid transit with electric buses and electrify their fleet. So that's going to impact within the cities. Um, uh, when we look at some of the building codes, the building codes would um, apply, you know, initially to Pierce County, um, unincorporated Pierce County areas. But it's easier, you know, cities many times, you know, it, when we're all working from the same page, it makes it easier for development. Sure. And we can show some best elements. Um, so, uh, and this includes like, you know, LED streetlights and other programs uh, throughout the built environment that can, uh, cities would would be, you know, can, can learn a lot from our leadership and uh, follow through. So we know that, uh, uh, once we show proof of concept on some of these things, they have an opportunity to pick it up and run with it too. That's great. Overall, uh, really great plan. It's a sustainability 2030. It's on our webpage. So I encourage people to go give it a look and uh, uh, see what, uh, you know, if you have any questions, shoot us an email. That's awesome. Um, and then the last thing uh, was the uh, the acronym is ARPA, which I believe is American Rescue Something Something. Act probably is that last day. What's the P? Yeah, I think it's American Recovery Program. Recovery. Okay. Uh, so what is that? I, I I like to call it CARES Act too. That works. Um, because it's uh, funding from the federal government direct uh, to the counties and cities. So uh, this is like the CARES Act funding we received. This is very different than the CARES Act funding we received. So the CARES Act funding that we received uh, passed a, a about a year ago, um, when uh, uh, Congress, uh, in, a, in a, one of the most brilliant flashes of bipartisanship work we saw in the last four years, uh, realized the pandemic was going to hit, came together, wrote the plan pretty quickly, um, and just straight relief going out. Um, here in Pierce County, it came to us in about $168 million uh, that was to be used across the county. 
um, with uh, quite a few restrictions in it where it can and can't be used, can't be used to pay for old programs or supplant um, or pay for lost revenues. Uh, so there were, were a lot of technical restrictions on it. These funds come to us with almost no restrictions on them um, so that we can really look at what gaps are being filled. Additionally, the 168 million was pretty much what we got for our county. The 175 that we've received, each of our cities have also received individual funding. So our burden to, to help both urban and, and, I mean, we're helping the entire county, but there's more help within each individual jurisdiction. And so our need to uh, uh, support the cities is less, and it's more of a partnership now because they yeah. have their own funds too. Yeah. Um, is that one, is that money going to uh, have any strings attached to it, or is it just uh, whatever the highest and best need is that the council identifies? Pretty much highest and best need. Uh, the one thing right now that we're assessing as this is coming forward is where else are other federal funds coming down. Last year, we stepped out right away. We put money into small businesses and food banks. Shortly after that, it was rental relief that we went to. Um, but we're seeing rental relief programs come down from the federal government. And so some of the things that we funded last year are coming down in massive blocks from the federal government and the state government. And so where we're really at is waiting to see what the federal and state government do. And then we look for the gaps. What if they missed it? That's where we begin to uh, stitch the safety net together to fill in the gaps. Uh, I think we're going to do a short-term uh, uh, recovery of getting some money out there. Uh, well, another difference is this actually we have until the end of 2024 to expend this, whereas the CARES Act funding we had until the, the end of the year. Yeah. 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 So we were uh, um, getting that out there as quickly as we could, which was you know, good for the economy, for sure, and helping a lot of people who were on the edge. It forced us to be more innovative and move more quickly. Uh, so people got the help that they needed. What I think we're going to see with this one, and while we're finalizing work coming forward, I'd like to see us spend about half of it in the first year or so, then the other half over three years. So there's some programs we were um, uh, really noted for our uh, restaurant rescue program that we did, uh, that uh, our restaurant rally program that we did that encouraged people to go to restaurants and help them kind of uh, stabilized. So I think a lot of restaurants literally made it through the winter with the funds that they got from that program. Um, you know, and there's talk of, oh, we need to do that again. But can we do it for two more years or three more years and then try to find a uh, um, another source, a chamber of commerce or something that could continue it onward? How can we use this to launch some programs that become sustainable uh, programs. Another one that we did last year was what we called Recovery Core, uh, with like a Jobs Core program that uh, put uh, over 200 young adults to to work in many of our local businesses uh, and help fund their positions. This both helped the business with getting to work and helped um, some young people who didn't have job experience or limited job experience uh, get the job experience they need for resumes. Um, so that they can get jobs. How do we expand that out over the next three, four years? And then how do we look to, can we, you know, find a partnership or can we continue that into, you know, long into the future? So I think we have a great chance to be innovative in really um, looking at some new ways to help people and take a chance with it. And if successful, find ways to continue it. Uh, so I think we're going to see a, a broad spectrum of uh, policies coming forward. Uh, much of it helping at a very, uh, critical need, you know, again, food banks, making sure um, 
my, my goal is to work a lot with building capacity. How do we help them build modern facilities that can last for the next uh, 15, 30 years? Because uh, many times they'll get the money for the food, but no one ever wants to help them build the systems. Yeah. Uh, let's invest in systems and then uh, fund the program after that is how I would like to, to approach it. Same with Raymond, you know, Raymond Hall, Justice Involved Youth. Uh, really, our youth, um, this, this pandemic's been hard on a lot of our youth. Um, the, the desocialization that happened has been incredibly difficult. And uh, as they come back to school, we're going to see more Justice Involved Youth. We're going to see more interactions like that, uh, that uh, have our youth. And so how do we uh, double our capacity of the programs that support our youth? How do we improve mental health access for youth? One of the things uh, I also, we, during the Great Recession, we ended up closing many of our family support centers run by the health department. And these are centers in uh, uh, many of our uh, poor neighborhoods that really help uh, build the family unit and really help with just uh, their name, family support centers, yeah. supporting, supporting families. Uh, so how can, we, how can we build back? How can we uh, increase their capacity and perhaps our numbers to make sure that many of those communities that lost services get them back? So uh, I think we have great opportunity with this. Um, last year, we did a, a fantastic job of really looking at the need, filling it. And we were actually recognized as one of six counties across the nation, recognized for our broad deployment and effective deployment of our CARES Act dollars uh, because uh, there were, I think there's a county in Idaho that pretty much gave all their CARES Act funding to like their largest employer said, here, just keep people employed. And they ended up having to close because they had outbreaks and they had no money for mental, for uh, public health. Yeah. And so they were sending all their people uh, to Washington uh, across the border to get their uh, uh, care for COVID because they didn't, you know, they misspent their funds, frankly. Um, we did a great balance of public health, economic recovery, um, and human service uh, rental relief type programs. And so I think we look forward to that balance going forward and using it to build more sustainably. Awesome. Uh, we really ran the gamut there and all of the different topics. Is there anything else you want to mention before we close our conversation after a busy week of work? Um, no, well, thank you for having me on here. Um, you know, I will say that, that things have really changed at the Pierce County Council. Uh, it's just a much more relaxed feel. And I think uh, uh, we're going to be willing to tackle a lot of stuff coming forward. Anyone wants to reach out to us, please send us an email. Give us a call. Um, we're very open to uh, feedback and comments. And we're still, uh, like many of us, navigating this pandemic in, in best ways forward. So uh, I, I wish everyone out there uh, can get their, their, their Fauci ouchie soon so that we can uh, return to normal or return to, uh, I, I don't know what normal is, uh, but return to what, you know, what kind of county we're going to be after we come out of the pandemic. Normal so. is not having to know words like Fauci, ouchy. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> thank you, Council Member Campbell. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. 
Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.